Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So the NBA is back up and running and we're about, you know, for most teams, 9 to 10 games in of the 72 game regular season. And so it's time to take a little bit of stock about what we're seeing here. Now, you know, we're still in this small sample size uh, in terms of, you know, how things are playing out, where things are going. Uh, So we can't make any completely, uh, you know, generative statements about how things are going because fluctuation is still uh, very likely to happen given the small sample size. But we can talk a little bit about, about how the season is going, you know, so far. And there's a couple things that, well, more than a couple things that we're going to talk about today, but let's play, we're going to do right now, play a little game of is it for real? Meaning we're going to take some of the stuff that we've seen in the small sample size here and basically try to determine whether or not it is actually a real trend or is this just small sample size and it's going to correct itself as the season goes on. So let's. So topic number one, is it for real? The Cleveland Cavaliers having the best defensive rating in the NBA, 103.1. That's sec, That's first in the NBA. The second best is the Sixers at 104.9. So almost two points per 100 possessions better than the next best defense are the Cleveland Cavaliers. Is this going to continue? Me to me, no. Like I'm sorry. Like I, I want to believe in the Cavs. I want to believe that you know guys like Andre Drummond are putting in effort this year, and you know Kevin Love isn't the complete sieve defensively that he's made out to be, and guys like Larry Nance are underrated defensively. Isaac Okoro making a difference. Sexton and Garland both giving more efforts on the end. I want to believe all that. I really do. I really do. But best defense in the NBA. I can't go that far. Not yet. I need to I, prove me wrong, Cavs and Cavs fans. I need to see more than just a ten-game sample size of of them being five and five, where they have the best record, defensive at least, uh, in the NBA. Now, that's not to say that the defense, the Cavs defense, hasn't improved. They're vastly improved, and especially considering in years past they had been, you know, bottom of the league. Uh, defensively, and in some cases, some of the worst defenses uh, ever uh, going back recently. So for them to be as good as they are is absolutely 100% encouraging. There is no taking anything away from that. Um, but right now, they're, they are the best defense in the NBA and the second worst offense in the NBA, uh, averaging 101.2 points per 100 possessions on offense. That's 29th in the league. So to me... Uh, no, I do not believe that the Cavs are the best defense in the NBA. I don't believe it's going to continue. And so I think this is just basically a statistical uh, blip uh, when it comes to things like that. And so I, I don't believe that that's going to continue. Now, I want to take a look at their opponent uh, shooting three-point shooting percentage because I think that that might have something to do with it here. So if we look at opponent three-point shooting percentage, the Cleveland Cavaliers, where do they rank? Let's see. They are. Oh, I can't find them. I think they're. I think they're about actually league average when it comes to uh, sh- opponent shooting luck. Oh, sorry, twenty fourth actually. So you know teams are actually shooting pretty good from three. You know against the Cavaliers. And now opponent field goal percentage. Uh, we'll have a look and see what's there. And they're actually fifth. They're averaging forty four point five 
percent from the field you know per game which is which is pretty good so you know opponent shooting luck not necessarily something that is you know ha- making the Cavs defense as good as it is which you know would tend to believe that maybe it's a little more real than you might think but again I gotta believe things are going to come back to earth at least a little bit here uh I I just I don't see a scenario where the Cavs being as as bad as they've been defensively for so long all of a sudden vaulting to the top of the league and staying there I don't think it's going to happen. I think they'll end up probably middle of a pack defense, which is still much improved for what they've been uh, in years past. But Cavs, Cleveland Cavaliers, best defense in the NBA. I don't buy it. I don't think it's real. Okay, the next one. The Phoenix Suns have the best record in the Western Conference. Is that going to continue? No, I can't. I can't give this one either. I can't. I, I, I can't bring myself to do it. I mean, you know, they're seven and three right now. They really are playing good basketball. I'm not. I can't say that they are, you know, completely, um, uh, you know, sieves in terms of, uh, you know, as it pertains to top teams in the uh, in the conference. Go. They're they're a fantastic team. They've got a lot of reason to believe that they are a fantastic team. That are one of the best uh, defenses, I believe, uh, in the league right now. Uh, they're. And I think they're a top 10 uh, defense and a top 10 offense. Let's check that really quickly. But, you know, a, lo- a lot of what the Phoenix Suns have been doing, if you're if you're looking for a positive for the Phoenix Suns, a lot of what they've been doing comes on the back of, you know, Devin Booker not necessarily playing his best. Chris Paul still looking to get integrated, you know, into things there in Phoenix. And so there is reason to believe that, uh, the Phoenix Suns, you know, can keep this up in terms of being a top team in the West, but not maybe not number one. I mean, the Lakers are in fact tied with them at seven and three. Clippers are six and four, uh, and Jazz are five and four. In fact, every single team in the league from one through fifteen, even the Timberwolves at fifteen, are only four and a half games back of the Suns. So it's hard for me to believe that the Suns are going to hold that top spot, but that doesn't preclude us from. You know, talking about the Suns in a positive light here. Uh, they are, you know, one of the teams that are top 10 in offense and defense, along with the Brooklyn Nets uh, and the LA Lakers, I think, are the only two teams, if I'm not mistaken, that are top 10 in offense uh, and defense, which is very encouraging. Uh, and the Phoenix Suns fall into that category. They're ninth uh, in offensive rating, and in defensive rating, they rank seventh. So being, uh, you know, b- being balanced on that end is, is very good. Uh, you know, Chris Paul is starting to find his spots a little. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is looking like a most improved player candidate there as well. DeAndre Ayton is finding his role, and they're getting some solid minutes from their backup guards. Uh, a lot of them, uh, you know, being Javon Carter and Cameron Payne, and a lot of those are playing alongside a staggered uh, Devin Booker or Chris Paul, and uh, both of those guys holding their own with Cameron Payne being more of the offensive version uh, of the um, of the secondary guard uh, beside De- Booker and Paul and you know Javon Carter being more of the uh, the guy that plays the defense picks up full court and has uh, some spot ups uh, opportunities there so uh, it looks like they've got a good balance you know Dario Sarge there at backup center uh, Jalen Smith has lar- largely been out of the rotation you know as a rookie and they're going with you know more guys that are going to help them you know you guys like you know Cameron Johnson who's shooting the lights out you know we talked about Mikhail Bridges. Um, who else, damn, who else do the, uh, the Suns have? Langston Galloway has been playing really well. And, you know, between those, like, eight guys, like, that is mainly, you know, what their rotation looks like. And it's a, and it's very, and it's a, it is a very solid, 
you know, rotation there. Uh, they've got like all their bases covered in terms of how they want to play on both ends of the floor. Um, and so, you know, the, the Suns are, are looking very good. Now, are again, I'm not going to say that they're going to stay the best uh, record in the West, but I think, but like I said before the season, I think this is a playoff team. I think this is a team you need to look out for. Uh, and I think that they're going to be a, a a force in the playoffs more so than I think people uh, anticipated. Uh, I think that this team has a very good chance to get to the conference finals uh, and do some damage there, or at least the second round. You know, in my opinion. So no, the Suns being the best team uh, in the NBA right now, or is it in the NBA actually? Let's check the East. Uh, so we got Celtics and Sixers are also seven and three, so tied for the best record in the NBA with four teams. Uh, the other being the Suns and the Lakers. Do I think that's going to continue? No, uh, but I do think the Suns are going to be dangerous, and I think that there's something uh, to this uh, bit of an extreme sample that might carry over, just not as extreme uh, as it looks right now as it pertains to their record. Okay, next one. Warriors. Are the Warriors a playoff team? Uh, this is interesting. I mean, I had them in the playoffs. Right now, they, they're sitting 8th at 5-4. and four. Now, I should mention, there's a lot of teams at 5-4, and 4-5, 4-4, four, four and five, uh, four and, four, uh, and we'll get to that later in the pod about how I think that no team has really stood out as much as I thought. But right now, the Warriors are sitting in 8th. They really seem to turn it around after Draymond Green, you know, came back. And we know about that 62-point uh, explosion from Steph Curry uh, against the Blazers. And guys, I think are try are starting to find their spots a little bit, which is good to see. You know, James Wiseman looks like he's improving on a game by game basis. Uh, Draymond Green being the only guy really that knows how to play with Steph Curry is uh, unlocking him a little bit. Uh, Kelly Oubre really can't make a three right now whatsoever, but is still attacking the rim. Uh, is still a guy that you have to guard out there at the very least from a reputational standpoint. So he's still getting guarded. You know, Andrew Wiggins seems to be, you know, about the same player. And then they're getting, you know, some minutes from, uh, you know, Michael Mulder, you know, Damian Lee, Kevon Looney, who are, you know, just, I would, I'll call them passable minutes uh, to say the least. And, you know, I think that this team can sneak into the eight seed. Now, again, they're in the eight seed right now. They're tied with, you know, the Spurs and the Mavericks and the Jazz the Nuggets are at four and five after a slow start. They're starting to get going. I think they're going to have a lot of teams to get in with, but I think they can at least get into that play-in game uh, sort of range here and maybe sneak into the playoffs. So I should guess I should rephrase that. Do I think after 10 games the Warriors are a playoff team? No, I think they're a play-in game team. I think that that's probably the way that I would frame that so far. And, you know, that could that could get better. You know, as guys really start to, you know, learn how to play in that Warrior, warrior system, meaning – uh, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, and James Wiseman. I'm looking at those guys mainly. When that starts to come around a little bit better, I think they're going to see their offense improve. I think you're going to see their defense improve as well. And then once that starts coming through, uh, you're going to be able to uh, you're going to be able to see the Warriors in a different light in terms of who they can compete with and uh, what level they're playing at as the year goes on. Because I think this is a team that's going to you know play better as the year goes on. And if that's the case, that, that that's when I think they're going to, you know, kind of hit their stride at the right time, which would bode well for them uh, to win, win a play in game or two if necessary and get into the playoffs. So I think the Warriors are playing team, which which means somewhere between the seventh and the tenth seed, if I had to guess. Okay, number four, the Raptors, the Toronto, the struggling Toronto Raptors. Are the Raptors not going to make the playoffs? Is this possible? Right now, they sit at two and six. Their only two wins are against the Knicks 
and the Sacramento Kings that can't that win against the Kings came without Kyle Lowry. And, you know, right now, this is see, this is why context is important for the first 10 games. There are only four games back of first right now in the whole league, right? There are only two games back of being set sixth. And ahead of them are include team like the Hornets, the Cavs, and the Knicks. Uh, so, yeah, I think the Raptors are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be somewhere in that 6-7-8 seed. Um, they're going to get back on track here. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play. I actually wrote a uh, an article about, you know, why the Raptors were struggling to start. And a lot of it was, uh, you know, them not putting a lot of pressure on the rim. Uh, they weren't getting to the free throw line as much. Uh, they were attempting more than 50% of their shots from three. Uh, which was first in the league and under 50% of their shots from two, which was last in the league. Uh, things like that, along with, you know, drives to the rim and uh, being able to finish there, etc. All these things were just kind of leading into the Raptors, you know, poor start, you know, per se, where basically they had to hit, you know, 15, 16, 17 three-pointers and really just outshoot you to win the game. Uh, and that's why their offense was just so poor, especially in the half court. I think they were 28th in offense. Now, I think they scored like 140 points against the Kings, and that really boosted them up in this, uh, you know, in this small sample. Like when I wrote the article a couple of days ago, they were like, I think 28th, and now as I'm looking at the uh, looking at the stats here, they're 15th. So that the, and the same thing with the defense, right? Like they they gave up I think 125 to the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Like they were fifth or sixth in defense when I wrote that article, and now I look at the the defensive ratings and they're 20th. Uh, with 111. So you can see how much the variance uh, in these small samples really gets things to jump around. So you really can't make any real determinations about what's going on in the first 10 games. I'd say it's probably closer to 20 games that you can start saying, okay, now this is for real. They actually are giving up this many points. They actually can't do X or Y and Z, or they actually can uh, sustain X, Y, and Z. So I think that's probably that 20-game point is where you want to start, really start to make conclusions uh, about where teams need to improve and where they're good at. But right now, uh, and the Raptors are a perfect example of this, I think they're still jumping around. I think they started off slow. I think they've got a couple of, you know, big, you know, offensive games that are boosting them up. And, you know, some uh, they've been in some shootouts which are boosting their defensive rating down. So they're probably, you know, I'd say uh, about a little bit of a worse offense than 15th and a way better defense uh, than 20th. Right, the, the strength of this Toronto Raptors team is defense. And right now, uh, if you were to guess what they're – they're best at based on offensive defensive rating, uh, you would say that they have a better offense, which is just, you know, simply not true. Uh, and in terms of net rating right now, they rank 19th with negative 1.2. So that's where the Toronto Raptors sit at the moment. Now, going back to the original question of whether or not I think they're a playoff team or not a playoff team, I think they will make the playoffs. I think I said that already. Six, seven, eight range. I predict for the Toronto Raptors and I probably will get bounced, you know, in the first round. But, you know, the Raptors are in more of a transition stage, a retooling stage uh, at that. Uh, I even made the case of why I think uh, being bad this year uh, for the Raptors might not be a bad idea between them playing in Tampa and, you know, getting off to the slow start and the how the how the 2021 draft is looking, how the 2021 free Asian class has plummeted. You know, all these things kind of point towards maybe being bad for one year and reaping the rewards of that. 
so, you know, even if the Raptors aren't necessarily good this year, I don't think they're in trouble long term. Uh, but I do think that they're still going to make the playoffs. Six, seven, eight range. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I pre- predict for this team. Okay. Um, I think the last thing we're going to talk about in terms of is it for real is, is the coronavirus going to keep chunks of players out, you know, like this for all year? So we've seen like Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, uh, like a bunch of others, like Joel Embiid, I think, uh, Ben Simmons, like a bunch of like star players. Uh, I think Giannis was on that list too. No, I think Giannis had back spasm actually. That's a lie. Uh, but a bunch of star players are just being held out because of, you know, coronavirus, whether they have it themselves, whether it's contact tracing and they've been, you know, within, you know, uh, reasonable contact with somebody where they think that they could have it and spread it to somebody else. All of this like stuff has kept chunks of players out of games. And in some cases, uh, even uh, made the game be postponed. So do I think this is going to continue all year? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I don't think there's any reason to, to, uh, to think that this won't continue. I mean, you're traveling from city to city. There's no bubble this year. Uh, you're you're being exposed. You're going to your hotel. You're, go, you're coming into contact, you know, with people, even if you're trying to minimize it as much as possible. Uh, and I think that there is going to continue to be this possibility. And so, you know, I think the league is going to tough it out this year. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of scenarios where, you know, COVID comes into play and keeps guys out of the lineup for, you know, the 10 days or whatever, or uh, whatever the quarantine, you know, period is before they get enough negative tests where they can come back into the lineup. And then, you know, the regular season is just going to continue to have that cycle of, you know, guys in and out, guys in and out, uh, you know, as more players or uh, surrounding players continue to, to test positive. So, yeah, I think that this is going to be something that happens throughout the year. And I just hope that when playoff time comes around, this isn't an issue because I would hate to see somebody be out, a star player be out because of the coronavirus. And now we're going to have this uh, little asterisk talk on Twitter for, you know, as long as, you know, we can remember about a team being a fraudulent champion or whatever, which is um, – you know, kind of stupid, but you know, that's the narrative that takes hold. And I would hate to try and uh, discredit a championship based on, uh, uh, you know, based on that sort of thing. But I think this year uh, is going to be even more of a asterisk, uh, or sorry, there will be more asterisk talk this year than there was last year uh, in terms of the bubble, because at least the last year in the bubble, there were no, you know, major injuries. Okay. Well, obviously, you know, Dragic, Bam, and Butler got hurt all in the all in game one, I think, of the first half of that that Laker game uh, for sure. But I don't think anybody believes that even uh, that the the Heat were um, we'll call it favorite favorites, even if all those guys were in the lineup. Although I think Dragic was a bigger um, what was a bigger loss to them than people want to admit. But I think there's going to be more asterisk talk this year because I I think there's a better chance of people. Uh, or yeah, better chance of players uh, having coronavirus and you know being out for a period of time or whatever, where uh, it's going to be you know in a game four or a game five where a series is at two two and now a guy has to a crucial player has to miss a game because of coronavirus and now uh, that puts them up three two in the series and they win the series or whatever. And now it's like oh if player X didn't have coronavirus they would have won the series and so I just don't want to see that talk, but I think that that is going to be more likely. Um, than previous years. And so that's why I think this is going to be more more of the one of the weirder regular season and playoff years in recent in recent memory. And uh, I do think that the coronavirus is going to continue 
two key players out of the lineup. I just hope it's not at inopportune times, but I just have a, a strange and unfortunate feeling that I think it is going to happen. Okay, let's run through some other stuff real quick. Um, you know, through 10 games, no team has really shown me anything amazing. Like, I really haven't seen anything where I'm like, oh, this team has vaulted themselves you know, into contender category or, oh, this team was a contender and now they've completely vaulted themselves out of the category. Like, you know, here, let me list all the teams for you that are five and four, five and five, four and four, or four and five. So basically within like a game of each other, okay? The Knicks in the East, at least, and then we'll do the West in a second. The Knicks, Cavs, the Hornets, the Heat, the Nets, the Hawks, okay? That's six teams that are five and five, five and four, Four and four or four and five. Okay. In the West, we have the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Blazers, the Spurs, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Pelicans, the Nuggets. That's eight more teams. So 14 of the 30 teams are basically mediocre 500 teams, like teams that are just basically sitting uh, around the 500 mark. That's half the league is sitting around the 500 mark. Like, you know, and then the teams in the extremes. Uh, like you really just kind of expected them to be there barring a couple of, you know, teams like the Rockets are three and four. Like that's like, you know, they've only played like seven games instead of, you know, some teams playing nine or 10, like they could easily be in the 500 range. You know, Kings are four and six Grizzlies, three and six Wolves, two and seven. And in the East, like, and then, sorry. And, in, and staying in the West, like, you know, five and four is right now fourth. Uh, in the West and then six and four is third and then seven and three. So like none of these, no, no undefeated teams or anything like that. Like even in the Western conference, like uh, four and six are the bulls. And then, you know, it drops off from 13, 14, 15, where the Raptors are two and six Pistons, two and seven wizards are two and eight. But remember, you know, we've got this playing tournament again this year where, you know, team uh, seven and 10 will play and eight and nine will play with the, uh, seven and eight teams having to lose two in a row in order to lose their spot. So, you know, all the teams up until number 10 have a chance, you know, to make it here. So, uh, you know, a lot of these teams at the bottom are going to be disincentivized, you know, from tanking, you know, assume, uh, again, this is assuming that their, uh, their goal is to win games and we'll run on that assumption, but not every team might want to follow that, uh, you know, trajectory. I'm thinking the only team that's incentivized to lose really is the Thunder, but, you know, if I'm the Kings or, like, the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves, like, you know, like, yeah, great, getting another pick would be great. But, like, let's try to win some games. You know what I mean? Like, let's try to get into the playoffs, like, while, while we still can here. Um, and we'll worry about, you know, being in the lottery if we're way out of it. Uh, but otherwise, I think most of those teams will want to win games. And I think that bodes for a bit of better competition um, when it comes to playing games and stuff like that. So no team has really – my point here is no team has really stood out um, – you know, uh, from the pack in terms of, you know, being way good or way bad. A lot of the teams are just kind of clumped together. You know, like I said, in the West, four and a half games separate 15th and first. And in the East, five games separate 15th from first. We're still, we still got a long ways to go. Okay. No team is out of it. No team is uh, completely separating themselves. And that kind of, and that gets me to my next point is, um, I think MVP kind of can fall into that same discussion where I don't think there's anybody that has clearly been an MVP so far. Like I, I picked Doncic for MVP. He's been struggling specifically from three. 
It's been tough. You know, Giannis has been, you know, okay, but nothing, like, incredibly spectacular. You know, Steph Curry had a, a bit of a slow start to the year um, before he exploded for 62. You know, Damian Lillard really hasn't, you know, shown any – and the, the standards for these guys are obviously so high. So when I say haven't shown anything, I obviously mean they're – they've been playing at – they're playing at a fantastic level, just not an MVP level as you compare it to previous years. So Damian Lillard, I don't think, has played at an MVP level. Neither has, you know, LeBron James or Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You know, none of those guys either. Uh, so I don't really have, like, a good answer right now for you when it comes to MVP. And I think that's because nobody has really separated themselves. I think everybody's in a cluster right now. The, the award is, you know, to be had. Nobody, Nobody's pulling away with that award right now. Um, rookie of the year. Is LaMelo Ball running away with rookie of the year after 10 games? You know, maybe... Uh, I was having a, a conversation in the group chat, and I thought uh, uh, Nick Raponi pointed out that you know Lamelo was far and away the rookie of the year, and I and I pushed back. I said, no, I don't think so. I think you know Tyrese Halliburton's got to be in that conversation. I think Wiseman uh, is very close to being in that conversation, and then Lamelo runs away with these two fantastic games: one against the Pelicans a couple nights ago, where he almost triple doubled, and then the game last night against the Hawks where he had like 22, 12, and 11 uh, and played a fantastic game on both ends, outplayed Trey Young tremendously, and he's he's just been so good. Uh, I even detailed today on Twitter how I think uh, one of the underrated skills of LaMelo is the way he attacks closeouts. Like, I know everyone sees the transition passing, the behind-the-back stuff, you know, the deep threes or whatever, but he can really he does a really good job at attacking closeouts, making decisions, you know, going up with the right, finishing with the left through contact. Uh, you know, he's got these, like, multi-handed finishes around the rim that he's uh, uh, has nice touch on along with some Euro steps and some floaters. And so, you know, LaMelo really has shown a, a a nice, a nice size bag here in terms of, you know, his scoring ability. And I think that that um, really bodes well for his rookie of the year chances. To me, he hasn't been a complete sieve defensively from what I've seen. He's at least passable for a rookie, which again, bodes well. Uh, so I think right now, uh, you know, despite me disagreeing with Nick a couple games ago, I think right now LaMelo is kind of running away with Rookie of the Year. I mean, you know, um, Anthony Edwards uh, has played, you know, okay at times. He had a really rough sequence right uh, last night against the Spurs in overtime in the final seconds where, uh, you know, he basically, they needed a three to tie the game. Uh, Edwards goes for a quick two and then realizes halfway through that there's not enough time to get a quick two. So he goes and tries to throw a pass out back to three, turns the ball over, and then doesn't even try to give the foul to extend the game. So three big mistakes from Anthony Edwards in that sequence, you know, last night, which, you know, really, you know, in this small sample size really hurts your chances as a rookie. That really sticks out in my mind for me. You know, Wiseman's been okay, but nothing, you know, really spectacular here. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton would be the closest. He's played really well for the Kings. I think it's going to be hard to keep him out of the starting lineup. Uh, in terms of, you know, Halliburton, I don't know if he's going to replace Buddy Heald or what's going on there. You know, Buddy Heald already seems to be a little bit unhappy with the Kings situation. I think this could only compound it. He's probably a guy they're going to look to trade uh, if they can, given the fact that uh, Heald got that, that big extension. Uh, so yeah, I think LaMelo is running away with rookie of the year. I don't see anybody coming close, you know, now Marco Fultz tore his ACL, uh, so did Thomas Bryant, by the way. And, um, I think so. I think Fultz, uh, being out is going to give a guy like Cole Anthony a shot to really, uh, you know, uh, plug him into, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a game to see if he can really put up some numbers to get into the race. But I think if the season were to end today, I think LaMelo Ball is the clear, uh, 
rookie of the year. Uh, he's been fantastic, and if uh, things go as uh, they have been uh, so far, I think uh, Lamelo is going to win the uh, the rookie of the year quite easily. And then last thing I wanted, uh, last thing I want to just touch on is like this is like one of the most meaningless regular seasons I think in recent memory. You know, with guys in and out of the lineup with COVID, I talked about all the stars that had COVID. You know, Beal, uh, Durant had to, you know, quarantine. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, S- Simmons and Bead, all those guys. Excuse me. Um, I think um, you know being, those guys being in and out of the lineup really doesn't give you a good. Uh, sample size of you know what uh, what these guys can do in uh, you know big minutes when they're on the floor together in terms of net rating lineups and offensive defensive rotations and offensive sets and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's going to be a problem. Um, you know, contenders going to be resting some players to try to make it through the season healthy. Uh, I think that is going to be an issue, especially on back to backs. Even though the travel is limited because you're not traveling to like different cities. It's more of these, you know, baseball style, you know, two games in one city on a back-to-back night. Um, I still think that that is going to be something that teams continue to have to deal with in terms of, you know, resting players trying to find uh, when the best time is to kind of get their guys uh, a breather in between games. Home court advantage seems to be pretty meaningless uh, this year, no fans will obviously, you know, do that to you other than the Toronto Raptors who are playing, you know, basically 72 games on the road. If we're being honest, they're probably disadvantage. Dis, uh, they're at a disadvantage more than anybody else. And then the last thing I'll talk about is blowouts where teams have just again, been getting blown out left, right and center. And, you know, in blowouts, you just tend not to play your best guys, which means you get to see even less of uh, good quality minutes with uh, starting units and com- starting combinations on the floor together. So I think between all those reasons, I I wouldn't put too much stock, you know, in the regular season as a whole from a win-loss perspective. I think there's a lot of noise in there that really um, should, uh, you know, should alter your thinking when it comes to, oh, okay, uh, this uh, X, Y, and Z is happening. And so I think uh, this is a predictor of playoff success. No, I think you should probably think twice about that because I think a lot of stuff – isn't necessarily, uh, you know, played out properly uh, in some of these regular season games with all these factors going on. So that's kind of my take on it so far. Okay, that'll end the podcast today. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. What I'm going to try to do going forward here is, you know, you know, I, I find myself, you know, only watching, you know, kind of in this trap of only watching the fun or the good teams, you know, too much. So, you know, I find myself, you know, I watch a lot of the Suns and the Lakers and the Raptors because I'm from, uh, you know, uh, Canada and Ontario specifically. And I'll watch like, you know, just a lot of the fun teams, like, uh, you know, the Mavericks and the Blazers, like the, those teams are fun, the Nuggets. But I don't really like, I, f- I find myself not watching enough of, you know, the Knicks and the Cavs and the Hornets and the Bulls and Pistons and those sorts of guys. So what I'm going to do here is for the next 15 weeks, I'm going to pick one Eastern Conference team and one Western Conference team and just watch them for the week. I'm just going to spend a whole week watching that specific team and then on the podcast week after week I'm going to come on the pod and talk about what I'm seeing with this team. I'm going to try to talk about specifics like, you know, the sets that they're running and the lineups that are working and uh, you know, talk about, you know, some specific games and you know, what went right, what went wrong. You know, update their offense, defensive rating, net rating and any specifics I can get into. But I think this year is going to be the year where I try to watch uh, at least, uh, you know, a little bit of every single team closely for at least a week. And then, you know, as it gets going, you know, I watch, you know, more of some teams, less of others as they kind of wean themselves out. But at least a week of 
you know, two of all 30 teams, two per week. It'll span 15 weeks, and I think that that will give me a better uh, idea of, you know, what teams are doing um, and inform my opinion a little bit better, you know, as well. So look out for that, that on the podcast next week. I'm going to pick two random Eastern and Western Conference teams, watch them for the week, report on what I'm seeing, and that'll be an addition uh, to the podcast you know, as I report on, you know, news and games played and what's going on in the league and other stuff like that. So be on the lookout for that. But other than that, thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Till then.